You have your Bibles, go with us to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to read three verses, the first three verses. We're glad for everybody that's here today. Thankful for you. Just want to say that we love you. Amen. Truly do mean that. Amen. We appreciate you. Thank you again. Amen for being here today. Are you ready for the word today? Amen. Praise God. We're going to, amen, move right on in. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you're able to stand, please stand. Again, glad for all of you that are here today. Amen. Praise God. Let's just give them a good smile. Amen. Come on. Give them a smile. Let them know, praise God, that you are thankful for them. Amen. Exodus 2, verse 1. Everybody got it? Say amen. amen. And there was a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. When she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with some slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Amen. Going to blast the shofar. We want you to give the Lord praise for his word today. Come on. Let's let him have. Amen. The praise that he's worthy of this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. It's his word. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, come on, let's look up, come on, let's look up for something, hallelujah, 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 we're going to find you today, hallelujah, 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 praise God, praise God, praise God, amen, amen, you may be seated on the basket case, look at your neighbor and say, I'm a basket case, hallelujah, I'm a basket case. Praise God. I already said we preached last Sunday out of Exodus 1. Amen. And we didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. Amen. That the Lord took us into Exodus 2. Praise the Lord. Amen. Until this morning. But we know that uh, Pharaoh had oppressed Israel in Egypt. Amen. And we said it last week. But the Bible says, uh, Amen. That they got they raised up a Pharaoh was raised up that knew not Joseph. Uh, we know that Joseph had found favor. There had been a famine in the land, and Amen. His brethren came over. Amen. And they were uh, sustained. Praise God. Joseph had favor in Pharaoh's house. Amen. Joseph. Uh, amen. Excelled. Praise the Lord. Uh, amen. But the Bible says that a Pharaoh rose up that knew not Joseph. And so he had oppressed Israel there in Egypt. As we preached last week, the more that he afflicted them, the more that they multiplied. We know that he made their lives bitter with hard labor. They were digging clay, making bricks, amen, and doing all kinds of work in the field, the Bible says, amen, and they toiled and they labored, amen, and we know that uh, Pharaoh became intimidated by the growth and the multiplication of the Israelites, so much so, amen, that he felt, uh, uh, amen, so, uh, so afraid that if they would go to war, that he felt like that they would turn on them, amen, and be for each other because there were so many. And so he decided that he wanted to do something else, amen, because, amen, even though he enslaved them, they still continued to grow. So the Bible says that he told the Hebrew midwives, amen, he said, 
when they are on the birthing stool, he said, if they give birth to a daughter, I want you to let her live. But if they give birth to a son, I want you to kill the male child. Why? Because that was going to stop a man any future procreation. A man, if he could kill the male child. A man, the Bible says, a man, that the Hebrew midwives let the baby boys live. A man, and when Pharaoh found out, figured out that they were allowing them to live, he said to the midwives, he said, why have you suffered them to live? They said, because these Hebrew women are so strong and they are so lively, as the King James says, amen, that they go into labor and they have the baby before we ever get to them. So they have already a man given birth, amen, so that tells us that the birth of a man was quick. We can put together a man that a lot of the births were taking place. They were quick births. Amen. Amen. Some of you women should be excited about that. Amen. Praise God. But they said that they gave birth before we got there. And so the Bible says that then Pharaoh ordered all of his people to throw all the baby boys into the Nile River. Amen. So it wasn't just the Hebrew midwives. Amen. And now he's telling all of his people that I want you to throw all the baby boys into the Nile River. Now the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 2 that there was a man and a woman of the tribe of Levi. Both of them from the tribe of Levi. Now understand, out of the tribe of Levi came the priesthood as well as the worshipers. So it was the Levites that established the priesthood, amen, the order of the priesthood. So as they were born, many were born into the priesthood, but it was also the Levites who were the worshipers. And the Bible says that the man's name was Amram, and the wife's name, the woman's name was Jochebed. Amen. It's King James, it's Jochebed, but it's pronounced Jochebed in the Hebrew. Amen. So Amram and Jochebed were these two people. The Bible says they came together, and Jochebed conceived, and she had a baby boy. Amen. She had this baby boy who just happened to be a, a man, a boy named Moses. And the Bible says that when she looked upon him, amen, that he was so fair and so good, amen, and such a beautiful child, amen, that she need, knew that she needed to do something, amen, to protect him. So the Bible says that she hid this baby for three months. Why? Because of the people had been ordered, amen, to throw all the baby boys into the river. Hallelujah. Now you got to understand, amen, that when Moses opened his eyes, he opened his eyes for the first time to a very unfriendly world. He opened his eyes, amen, praise God, and was born into one of the most powerful nations at the time. Amen. But he belonged to a foreign oppressed people where baby boys were under a death sentence. And so Moses is very beginning 
beginning amen the destiny that was upon his life according amen to the times and to the world was not one of very much hope hallelujah but I want you to hear me for just a minute today hallelujah but Moses had favor why because he had parents who believed in the God of Abraham he had parents who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had a parents, a man who trusted and believed that even though they were enslaved, and even though they were in bondage, they still worshipped the God of heaven. Remember, they came from the tribe of the priesthood. Amen. The tribe, hallelujah, that would eventually become the worshipers. So I believe there was something in the Levites before they even knew that there was something in them. And can I tell you that many of you were born into some truly unfortunate circumstances. But can I remind you that everybody in this house has favor over your life because our God is a covenant God. And you say, well, what does that have to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Because to make sure that every man that was born would be able to partake of this covenant, he decided that he would give his one and only son. And his only son, not only would he send to the earth, but he would let him be crucified. Why? Because it was blood. Blood was the only thing that could satisfy a man the forgiveness of sins. A man, but not the blood of animals. Hallelujah. But once and for all, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's not about performance. It's not about perfection. It's not about what you've earned or what you deserve. But it's only by the blood. Oh, come on, somebody. And because Jesus shed his blood, doesn't matter whether you serve him right now or not. There's some of you in here who have not made the full commitment to follow after Jesus. But you know what? That doesn't matter. Why? Because when that first drop of blood was shed, he did it for you. And because the blood is still on the mercy seat, there's still mercy and favor and grace over your life. You think you're here because you've done something on your own. But the only reason you were able to get up this morning, put on your clothes, make up your mind to be in this house is because grace has brought you here. I need somebody to give the Lord praise if you understand grace. circumstances but there's something in you hallelujah we've been studying it on Thursday nights God made every one of us in his image that means we're everyone unique just like God is there's gifts and there's talents and there's abilities in each and every one of us that are unique amen so you may not know it but there's a worshiper inside 
of you. You may not know it, husbands and fathers, but there's a priestly anointing that's inside of you to lead your family and to lead your children in the ways of the Lord. You may not know it, but there's something inside of you that you don't even see because of the favor and the grace of the covenant of God. So let, let's look at Moses' dad, his father, Amram. That name in the Hebrew means a high people. It comes from a root word that means to rise, amen, or raise. Amen. His mother's name, Yochebed. Hallelujah. Yochebed means Jehovah glorified. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. What do you mean? Hallelujah. Jehovah is means a self-existent God. It means that God does not need anything or anyone else to be who he is. He was and is and is to come. Moses, hallelujah, was already born elevated. He was already born with a purpose that was higher than what the earth and the world had given him. I need somebody just to stay with me this morning. I'm laying just a foundation here. Hallelujah. And then not only was he born, amen, higher with a higher purpose, but his life, hallelujah, the favor over him, Jehovah will be glorified. So everything that he was going to accomplish was going to be because he was already destined to be it. It wasn't because of anything that he was or was going to do, but it was because of the favor over his life. Hallelujah. And that came from the faith of his parents. So no matter where you were born, no matter how messed up your genealogy is. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, the Leslie family, our, our genealogy, our descendants is so dysfunctional and so messed up, it can make your head spin. Hallelujah. But I'm glad today, hallelujah, that the blood of Jesus is not affected by DNA. It's not affected by generations. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? But it'll break every curse. Hallelujah, that is upon you from generation to generation. Hallelujah, so it doesn't matter where you were born unto. Doesn't matter what you were born into. There is a higher purpose for you. I dare to touch somebody and say, God's got greater than what you can imagine. God's got greater. Oh, because my family was... Hallelujah, destitute. I'm going to remain that way. No, sir. Do you understand me? Hallelujah. You don't have to be what you come from. Hallelujah. Somebody help me. And where you come from does not decide where you end up. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, because it's only by the blood. She hid him for three months. Can I tell you that the favor of God will cover you? It will hide you. Some of you don't even know you're being hidden right now. 
Some of you don't even know that the favor of God has kept you. Some of you don't even realize the things that grace has kept you from experiencing. Oh, come on. Some of you don't even realize what the favor of God has kept you from encountering. Hallelujah. Praise God. You think you're messed up if you really knew everything that God had kept you from. If you really understood every demon that was thwarted by somebody's prayer. Every power of darkness that had been assigned to your life, your family, your mind. If you knew how many of them had been sent back to hell before they ever got to you, you would your mind would be blown. You know the mind blown emoji. You'd be you'd be putting that emoji in your post. Mind blown because I didn't even know that God kept me from it. But I'm here to tell you, God has been hiding. Hallelujah. His favor will keep you. And you don't even know you need to be kept. She not only she not only hid him because of her natural parental instincts. Because any, any natural mother is going to do what? Protect her baby. Protect her baby. If there is a death sentence, if that baby is born and you see that that is a male child, hallelujah, and you already know that there is a death sentence because it is a male child, your first instinct is going to be protected. That's your motherly instinct to protect that child. But can I tell you that the New Testament, for those of you that need it, Hebrews chapter 11, the great book of faith, the great chapter of faith, the whole of faith, amen, praise God, it says, amen, not only, amen, did she have a parental instinct to save him, that natural instinct, amen, but he was saved because Yochebed had faith in God. She didn't know what was going to happen. She didn't know Amen. From one day to the next, whether or not her secret was going to be revealed, she didn't know during that three months how she was going to manage the next day. All she knew, amen, is that in her life, Jehovah must be glorified. And Moses had a purpose. Amen. When she looked upon his face, she knew there was something there. Hallelujah. That warranted that. So Hebrews says, amen, that she, praise God, had faith in God. That's why Moses, amen, was saved. What did she do to have to hide him for three months? Hallelujah. I thought about that. What all she had to go through to hide him for three months. Now a baby is a quiet. Can I get a witness? Especially a newborn. And there's a newborn baby has a very distinct cry, does it not? Amen. But as a baby begins to get older, after the first month and the second month, the cry begins to get different. Amen. You begin to tell, you know what? That's not a newborn anymore. Amen. But that child, that baby has now begun to develop. So what did she do to hide him for that three months? See, the Bible tells us that she was a bit a midwife. Amen. But she had also already given birth. Amen. To two children. 
Aaron and Miriam. Amen. And they were quite a bit older. Amen. We know from the Amen the storyline. Amen. That Aaron and Miriam were quite a bit older. Amen. When Moses was born. Amen. So she had already given birth. Amen. To two children. Now the ancient Jewish commentary, which is the Midrash. Amen. It says that Amram. Amen. Put Jochebed away. Amen. As his wife because of the death sentence. Amen. Upon uh, uh, amen, the children. He did not want to, amen, to take the chance of having another male child. Amen. So he put her away as his wife. Hallelujah. But according to the amen, ancient Jewish commentary, she was already pregnant with Moses when he, amen, put her away. Hallelujah. So he married her again, if I can say it like that. They got back together not knowing that she was already pregnant. But I need you to hear me. Hallelujah. I'm not saying this is a word, but think about it. This allowed them three months. Amen. This allowed them three months after Moses was born for nobody to suspect that she would have had a child already. Come on, somebody. Do you hear that? Amen. Because they had been separated and then they got back together. Hallelujah. But she was already pregnant. Can I tell you this morning to somebody your labor is not in vain? You have given birth already. Amen. And you feel like that you have been set apart or separated from the blessing and the favor. But can I tell you it's already in you. You're already pregnant. If I can say it like that, your spiritual womb has already conceived and everything that you've done up to this point will not be in vain. Her labor when she gave birth to Aaron and Miriam, hallelujah, I don't know, amen, if that fell in line, amen, the timeline of the births being easy, hallelujah, but can I, can I get a witness, labor is labor is labor, pain is pain is pain, whether it lasts three minutes or three days, it's pain, can I, can, amen, you know that it's there, amen, I want somebody to understand that all the prayers that you pray for your family, all the times that you have stood in the gap, all the times that you have declared, hallelujah, even right now, when it looks like that everything is falling apart, you have already conceived a word inside of you. Will somebody help me in this place? And the one that sets you up higher is on his way to you. My God, do you hear me? And his favor is going to hide you. And the enemy is not going to get what God has destined for you to bring forth. Are you with me so far? So this allowed her for three months of no suspicion of Moses' birth. But how many knows that a baby grows? <laughs> and after three months, he became a little big. It wasn't easy to hide. It wasn't easy to keep secret because he wanted to eat more. So he cried more. Come on. 
three months from the time he was born. How I many knows that a baby knows how to demand attention? People think, you know, oh, baby, no. Look who created them. Look at you and me when we're in that stage in our spiritual walk. We know how to get God's attention. We know how to throw fits and set out the pacifier and stomp, amen, and go, oh, scream and cry. Oh, to get his attention. Come on, we it. It may not get us what we want, but at least it gets his attention. Come on, a baby knows how. A baby, a baby, God, God, get that. Amen. Are you with me? So it came to the point to where he became too big to hide. But she was determined that his birth was not going to be in vain. She was determined that his birth was not going to be in vain. So the Bible says that she took a papyrus basket. And she got that basket to put Moses in. Now, here's what we have to remember about a basket. A basket is woven together to be used to hold or carry something. A basket is woven together. Psalm 139 and 13 says that we are woven mother's womb we are woven together that God has assigned a destiny to our lives and because he has assigned a destiny to our lives that he has woven together I need to remind somebody he has woven together all of our experiences, whether they are good or bad, and he has intertwined them with his love, his grace, and his mercy. He has taken every good thing and he has woven it into the fabric of our lives, into that destiny. He has taken every bad experience that we have had, every disappointment, every time that we have experienced heartache and trouble. And he has taken that and he has woven it into our lives, into our destiny. But the common thread Amen. The common threads that are in each and every one of our lives, in, in all of the things, just like a basket is woven together. Amen. To make something that it can carry or hold something. Amen. He has uh, taken all of those things. Amen. He has taken all of the good and the bad things and experiences and situations that have happened and he has woven them together. Everybody in here has, a, has common thread. And that is his love, his grace, and his mercy. Amen. You take that out 
out of, amen, the tapestry and nothing is going to be held together. That's why you're still here. That's the only reason you are still sane. That's the only reason you are able to get up in the morning, amen, and do what you do. It's not because of anything that you have done, amen, and the reason that you don't do things that you could do is not because others have done things to you, but the very reason every one of us is here today is because woven in all of the good and the bad and the ugly and the failures and the mountaintops and the valleys is the love and mercy and grace of God that keeps us together. I need somebody to help me. Hallelujah. So every one of us, amen, has a basket. If I can say it like that, every one of us, amen, God has taken other things that has happened to our lives, amen, and he, hallelujah, has woven it together. He's been there all the time. You may not have felt him. You may not have seen him. You may not have heard him. You may not even have wanted to know that he was there. But in your darkest hour, in your deepest failure, in the worst of your flaws, in the flaw of your fall, hallelujah, he was there. Mercy was keeping you together. Mercy was doing something in your life. Grace was sustaining you. The love of God was, hallelujah, holding you. Amen. So that all of these things, when he began to weave them together like you weave a basket. Amen. That basket she used was made of papyrus. Hallelujah. It was like a reed. Amen. It was like, amen, a soft, amen, kind of a plant. Hallelujah. But, amen, as that basket had been woven together, amen, hallelujah, it had a purpose. Amen. That purpose was to hold something. That purpose was to carry something. This particular basket was going to carry the deliverer for God's people. See, some of you don't know what's in you. Oh, come on, let me remind you. You don't know what's in you because of the favor of God. Hallelujah. But God is using everything in your life. Hallelujah. And weaving it together. And it's going to hold you until you get to your break. Until our victory and our breakthrough. See, the material alone doesn't make the basket valuable. So if you keep all of the bad things in a pile, and you keep all of the good things in a pile, and then you set aside the love, grace, and mercy of God. All of those things separately have no value. All of those things on their own have no real value. You say, oh, I hear something. Oh. <laughs> what good is 
is the love of God if you don't need, if you've never not experienced true love? What good is the mercy of God if you have never been to the place that it had not been for his hand upon your life? That death would have been the ultimate demise. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? What good would grace be if you never had your back against the wall and you felt like that you wasn't going to make it, but somehow you made it through? All of that has value, but it doesn't have any value to you until you begin to let him take the good times and the bad times, and then you take the love, mercy, and grace, and then he begins to weave it together. Then he begins to make something out of it. Now it all has a purpose. Now there's some value in that. Are you with me? Now... There's a purpose for all of it together. But that wasn't enough. Because you may never say it's not enough. Your basket case. The Bible says that she covered or she coated the basket with bitumen and pitch. That she covered, she coated, and I want you to stay with me. That means she covered it with bitumen and tar or asphalt. Are you with me? The Hebrew says clay, but when you, it's, it's the word, it's betumen. And when you, 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 begin, you begin to look, see, see, betumen is a natural material that holds asphalt together. So asphalt by itself can serve a purpose, but it'll eventually fall apart. But when you take that betumen and you mix it which is a natural substance, and you mix it, combine it, it holds the asphalt together. So the bitumen is a natural material, but pitch is man-made. Pitch is made. Asphalt is man-made. Bitumen is natural. There's hydrocarbons and, and, and things. So, so the Bible says that she coated the inside of that basket with the bitumen. She coated the very inside. Now remember what the basket is. It was just in less than three minutes ago. So hopefully, unless you just weren't paying attention and you were watching your phone. Sorry about you up. Go back and listen to it. Come on. You get what the basket is, correct? Are we there? She coated the inside of the basket with the bitumen. She took it in, and, and the Bible says in the King James, she daubed it. I like that word, but I figured I would use coated. She coated the inside of it with the bitumen, and then on the outside of it, she put pitch. So she took the natural substance, and she coated the inside where Moses' body was going to be coming in contact with. 
And then she took the, the tar, if you will, and she coated it on the outside. See, the pitch had a really bad odor. And so the, uh, the bitumen would not only serve as a protectant, but it would also serve as a barrier so that Moses could not smell the tar. I need somebody to help me in this place. See, I don't smell what I've been through. You may see it sometimes. Oh, come on, somebody help me. Hallelujah. Amen. But she wanted to make sure that Moses did not have to deal with the smell of that man-made protected. Ah, you're, you're going to help me here in just a minute. I'm trying to do this quickly. Hallelujah. Amen. Both of those together made it waterproof and they would preserve Moses until he got to where the basket took him. Come on, somebody help me. You think what you're doing is elevating you. You think your gift and your business smarts is taking you places. Uh-uh. That's just my Amen. What God has given you and woven into your basket. Hallelujah. But it's the grace and mercy of God that's going to get all somebody help me in this place. Hallelujah. I'm trying to finish this. Hallelujah. Now, both of them together made it waterproof and it would preserve him. But remember, Beethoven is natural. And it, it hydrocarbons cause. It's processed by a rising up or like a fermenting. Uh, and if you look and look, you can look at the Hebrew, it even alludes to like boiling. Okay. So there's a natural process. Are you with me? And it, it, it brings what's important to the surface. And I couldn't help but think about the things that God allows us to go through. The things that we deal with that define who we are on the inside, how we handle the process, the things that take place, amen, that God allows us to go through. What is the purpose of God allowing us to go through hell? What is the purpose of God allowing us to experience bad times? What is the purpose of God allowing us, amen, to be pressed and to be oppressed, to be afflicted like we preached last week? It is to grow us. And as we grow, what else grows in our life? I know our faith and all of that does, but amen, most importantly, the anointing, amen, that is upon our life begins to grow. Hallelujah. We become, amen, and so it's interesting, hallelujah, that when you look at, amen, praise God, at what she did and how, amen, that Beethoven is that natural, amen, substance that goes through a process of rising or goes through a boiling. See, much like silver and gold when it's purified, hallelujah, the purpose, amen, is to bring forth that which is a reflection of the creator. Come on. Which is a reflection of the silversmith. Hallelujah. And she daubed it on the 
for anointing means it means to pour, but it means to smear. When someone was anointed, amen, they would rub and smear. I know there's a pouring out, but I got to thinking about that. If God has taken all of the good and the bad, amen, and he's woven it into, amen, my basket, hallelujah, now, amen, it's producing the process. It's producing something, amen, that's going to keep me on the inside. Flood from the great flood 
even though it was a basket, it became an ark of safety so that no matter what Moses might have come across in the Nile River, ah, you ain't hearing me. No matter how long he stayed on the river, whether a storm rose up or whether things got bad, he wasn't just in a basket. It wasn't just coated with bitumen and pitch, but it became an ark of safety. It became the very thing that God was going to keep him until he got to where he would be safe. Why? Because he was destined to be a deliverer. There was something in him that he didn't even see. And it's the same for you. There's something in you Your victory is uh, so yes, you're a basket case, uh, 
that hell has built in the earth and in the world could not prevent him from propelling forward in his destiny. And so she went and got Yochebed, who was a midwife. See, God positioned her for such a time as this. And she went and got Yochebed and brought Yochebed to Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter said, I will pay you to nurse him. Because yeah. ain't no... Listen to worse on YouTube. But can I tell you, ain't no Hebrew wants the milk of an Egyptian. You'll get that tomorrow. Because she was going to nurse him. She had his baby's milk. She had the Mama's milk came back and praise God. And so, so she said, I'm going to pay you to nurse this baby. Can I tell you, hold on. Amen. Because God is going to see to it that you get rewarded for your faith. Oh, come on, somebody. That's another message, but I just had to say it. Her faith, amen, not only was she going to get to raise her son, 24 months, amen, that she would keep him. She had to keep him at least two years. You know what mama did? In those two years, she whispered in Moses' ear, I know what it looks like and sounds like here, but that ain't who you are. Can I tell you about our creator? Can I tell you about our father Abraham? Can I tell you how God rescued Noah? Somebody better help me in this place. So not she get to nurse him, amen, without having to hide, but she got to play with him, care for him, feed him, take care of him, tend to him, make sure that he knew the truth, but she got paid for it. Who gets paid to be a mother? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. God is going to reward you when you say yes. God, I don't understand it. This basket don't make sense, but by faith, I'm going to let you take me wherever I need to go because there's something in me that you see that I don't. 
And God is going to reward you for your faith. I feel that. Mm. And here's what's interesting. I don't think we pay a lot of attention. There's a lot in those three verses right there. There's a lot of stuff you could you gotta pay attention to because the Bible says that when Yokovet took the basket and she 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 coated it, she daubed it, she put the bacon and the uh, pitch and everything all in it and she put Moses in it. Can you imagine that goodbye? Can you imagine the last kiss on your your youngest baby? Not knowing. Not knowing what was going to happen, but you had to step back and let it go. We're talking about faith now. That's faith in God, not in the basket. She did all that she knew she could do, but the rest was up to God. Can you imagine saying that last goodbye, that last kiss? Wow. The Bible says that when Yochebed put the ark, I won't call it that because that's what the Bible says, it's, it's a table. It, it became a, it was a basket, but it became an ark because of what it was. Yep. Yeah. And she put that in the river. The Bible says she put it in the flags. That word flags in the Hebrew is reeds. Yeah. Everyone know what a reed is? You know, Kind of, I, when I think of real, I think of like a bamboo yeah. type kind of thing. But, 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 but she put him in the flags or the reeds. Can I tell you? You remember when Moses obviously grew up, became the deliverer. Became so interesting that the land starts teaching on Exodus this morning. We don't confer at all, but I thought, oh boy. You go right on. But when 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 they came out of Egypt and they, they began to go, they came up against the Red Sea. Remember that? Do you know what that word red is translated into Hebrew? Read. It's really the reeds. So the very thing, come on, are you with me? God would deliver him, amen, from those reeds, but he would also deliver him again from the reed sea. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. But the reeds were also what the papyrus was made out of to, to amen, put together, amen, the material for the basket. What are you trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that the very things that the enemy would like to use to defeat you, God will use them to bring you out. So the reeds, oh, come on somebody, amen, in the Nile River, hallelujah, amen, the enemy thought, I've got him now, hallelujah, God used it, amen, to bring him out, when they got to the reed sea, hallelujah, the devil thought, yeah, I got him now, Pharaoh's army's behind him, but God said, Moses, stretch forth your rod, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, I didn't bring you out of the Nile to let this river, this water defeats you, can I tell you that God is not going to bring you through one thing to let something else down the road defeat and destroy 
keep you until you get to your breakthrough. So you may feel like what's happening right now is making you a basket case. What is a basket case? It's somebody who feels like that, amen, your life is falling apart. circumstances, these things that are happening around you make you feel like that your life is falling apart and that nothing is ever going to work. I'm not making light of your anxiety, but I'm telling you your anxiety, God will use it if you will let him and he will weave it and he'll even use it to protect you from the elements that will get you to your deliverance. We've all Felt like a basket case. I kind of not really. I, that's extreme. But you know, the past the past three or four weeks in my in my in my secret place, man, in my prayer calls that I've been like, "Hey, God, what's up? What you doing?" Would have been nice if you'd have clued me in for a minute. Who am I? But I can look back now and see everything that I went through has kept me and got me to where I am now. Yeah. So you may you may feel like what's happening is making you a basket case, but it's not because your life is falling apart, but it's because God is using it all to get you through the storm. To get you through this difficult circumstance. Feel like a basket case because you are a basket case. Look at your neighbor and say again, I'm a basket case. But it's not because everything's falling apart. I don't think you get ready to come to the music. I didn't know this until I was studying this. But the phrase basket case is also slang for a soldier who's lost all four limbs. And he could only be carried in a basket. So I didn't, I didn't know that until today. But that applies for we soldiers in the army of the Lord. That when we can't do anything else on our own, he will carry us. He will get us to our destiny. All of you have a basket. Woven into it are good, bad experiences. And the common thread is love, grace, mercy of God. And everything that God has allowed you to go through. That bitumen that is coated the inside of that basket has increased the anointing on your life. And then everything that's happening on the outside. All the man-made things he's using and all of it together will protect you in the storm and it's become your ark 
to get you because inside of you is a deliverer. Inside of you is a seed. Inside of you is a promise. Inside of you is a word. God's got a destiny over your life. He's going to use it. So as you stand with me across this house today, I may be a basket case this morning. I'll declare it on the basket case. I may be a basket case, but God's going to use everything to get me safely to my deliverance, my victory, my breakthrough, and fulfill the destiny that He intertwined or that He wove when I was in my mother's womb. He's the master weaver. Everything that the enemy meant to take you out, to defeat you, God's going to use it to get you to your purpose. So as you're standing with me today, if you're in here today and you're lost and you don't know Jesus, Father longs for you to be in his presence. God longs to smell the aroma of your worship. He longs to smell the incense of your prayers. Come up before him. Because just as nothing or no one can take his place in your life, no one else can take your place in his plan. And he's got a place for you in his presence. And he longs for your fragrance. He longs for your presence. So all you have to do is say yes to it. It's that simple. Say yes. so many things that have the potential to distract us from a fullness in God. So many things that can blur our sight and our spiritual vision. Today, if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I am a basket case. It seems like everything is against me. I came in here feeling like everything was falling apart. And then here you come and tell me that I'm in a good place. Now you're going to try to convince me 
God, this is a good thing for me. God's word says it. But if by faith you'll put yourself in the basket, not knowing what's going to happen, but trusting that whatever God does, He'll do it well, He'll do it right, and He'll do it in His time. That's you today. I want you to come. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to help you. Strengthen you. As they begin to worship.